0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. I am Bill D'Alessandro, one of your hosts. And today, Heather Anderson and I do a right over home plate e-com deal from Axial Market. Uh, it's got $1.6 million of EBITDA, and it sells massage tables and massage supplies. It's a really cool mix of dropship and owned brand. Uh, I really am impressed by the seller of this one. I think they kind of recognize the strengths and weaknesses in their own business, and have gone out of their way to mitigate them. Uh, So this was a cool one. I really enjoyed it as the e-comm nerd. Uh, If you're an e-comm nerd, I think you will too. Uh, I hope you like this episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. This episode of Acquisitions Anonymous is sponsored by Acquisition Lab. Acquisition Lab uh, and their team, they've been longtime supporters of the pod and they provide a really great service for people who are looking to acquire a business. So it's created by Walker Diable, who's become a friend, uh, the author of Buy Then Build, How to Outsmart the Startup Game. Uh so Acquisition Lab is an accelerator with a highly vetted cohort-based educational and support community for people who are serious about buying a business. So a lot of our listeners like you, you tune in every week to our deal reviews, you want to get in on buying a business. Uh, you know, you're on this podcast because you're trying to learn how to buy a business. But if you're not quite sure where to start, Acquisition Lab is a great place to start. So they exist to help people buy a business and to navigate all those complexities of the process, everything you hear us talk about on the show. They provide a proven framework, tools, and resources that support you all the way from search to close. Uh, they do it. There's a whole bunch of educational material uh, and support. So if you're serious about buying a business, check out acquisitionlab.com, or you can actually email the program director, uh, Chelsea Wood, directly. Her email is chelsea at buythenbuild.com. Heather, we are back. I feel like it's just you and me, like semi-frequently lately.
1: I know. The other guys just don't want to show up. I don't know. What what did we say to them? Did we do something?
0: I think I must have done something, either that or yeah. you're just way more reliable. You're reliable, but like every time I'm here, the other guys are not here. Uh, it's, it's only well, it's you that wants you. to hang out with me, I guess.
1: It's you. It's you.
0: <laughs> I think it is me. Um, but I'm uh, I, this is our second one today, and I'm much more in the acquisitions anonymous mindset now we got rolling on our previous episode. Um, and I'm psyched because yeah. this is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. Let's dive in. So I I guess before we dive in, uh, I should say that this is another one from Axial Market. Um, So we've started doing more from Axial because they tend to have bigger and like a little bit more professional deals, you know, a couple million dollars of EBITDA. um, And they're usually represented by an intermediary, which means you get a little bit more of a professional sell side process. You probably got clean financials. You know, you have a sane voice in the room telling seller what reasonable valuation expectations are, uh, et cetera. So we started looking more and more on Axial for deals. Uh, So this is another one we grabbed from there. And I think, Heather, you've got it for the read. I got it.
1: All right. And it starts out with SBA pre-qualified therapeutic massage. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Therapeutic massage supplies and equipment e-commerce store. So it is a 19-year-old well-established company offering therapeutic massage tools and equipment 36% of sales come from the owner's brand. That sounds nice. Over 1,300 plus different products with an average order value of approximately $939. 60% of orders were drop shipped and 36% 3PL and 4% stocks, 76% of sales via website, 24% via marketplaces. Uh, The business is highly efficient from purchasing, marketing, and order fulfillment. Good standing relationships with 35 plus suppliers Owners work full time managing and operating the business. The company has two employees who handle customer service, order processing, and bookkeeping. Strong growth opportunities include expansion of the owner's brand, adding additional products offered by manufacturers, international expansion, hiring outside sales team, additional expansion into Amazon and other online CPA comparison uh, shopping engines and networks. Uh, the business provides new owners with a complete turnkey business. Business can be operated from anywhere in the world. The seller will provide strong transitional support based on the needs of the buyer. Owner is looking to retire. 2022 revenue, $6 million. Does not say what the year-over-year growth was. EBITDA, 1.6. So hence, it's in the SBA ballpark. Uh, and 27% EBITDA margin um, change of control. I think that's kind of it. Um, yeah, I think the rest we covered already in the top there. So what do you think, Bill?
0: So I think I just have to, first of all, I would love to be friends with this entrepreneur. I bet, I bet this is a really good entrepreneur. There's a, there's a lot of things in here that I just have to give props to the person who started this business for doing well. There are also some things that scare me. Um, but like, this is a, very cool business to own. So a couple of things that jumped out for me. So therapeutic massage supplies, uh, I can guarantee you this is big, heavy stuff. Um, so like this is, if you are a massage therapist, if you're building out like your own studio, or maybe you're a, uh, like a mobile massage therapist that goes to people's houses or a place of business, um, you are probably a, you know, the customer for this website. Um, And that's, and I know that because I can see an average order value of $939, like that's massage tables and, and things like that. I also know that because they've got 60% of orders being drop shipped. Uh, It is a dynamic uh, in e-com that basically the bigger and heavier a thing is, the more likely it is to be drop shipped. And the reason for that is it costs money to move big, heavy things around. So it doesn't make sense for the manufacturer to bring all the materials in, build a table, ship it to me where I warehouse it, you know, where it's taking up space and we already burned freight, and then I've got to ship it to you, the customer. It, it makes way more sense to cut my warehouse out of it entirely, leave it warehouse to the manufacturer and drop ship it straight to the customer. So generally, bigger, heavier things are more likely to be drop shipped. Um, so this, this guy has 60% of his orders drop shipped. He's got 36% of his orders in a 3PL uh, and 4% stocked. I think it might be no coincidence that also 36% of sales uh, are from the owner's own brand, the private brand, uh, and also from the 3PL. And I think what he's probably got going here is 60% of this business drop shipped, 36% of this business his own brand in his 3PL, uh, and then f- stocked, I don't know why that wouldn't be at the 3PL. Is this like might be in his backyard, like in his garage or something? I don't know how stocked, why would he be stocking this at his location, not at the 3PL? I think you could easily take that 4% stocked and push it to the 3PL. It also makes sense. This business has 76% of its sales via the website and 24% via marketplaces. If I had to guess, I think you would see the branded stuff skew significantly more towards the marketplace. And the dropship stuff be on the website. Uh, The reason for that is that it's very hard when dropshipping to compete in like a perfectly price competitive market, like a marketplace, because you've got 10 people dropshipping exactly the same thing. And the next guy, because he doesn't touch it anyway, is willing to sell it for a dollar less. And you end up with this kind of race to the bottom on margin on marketplaces for dropship things. Um, versus like if you own massagetables.com, you're gonna rank really well for massage tables. You can provide a lot of education, build a lot of trust, and somebody's gonna buy a massage table from you without necessarily shopping it around, you know, a bunch of different places. You might be able to get ten or twenty or thirty dollars more than it's the market clearing price because you provide a good customer experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of some of the things that jump out at me, kind of the split right away. Um, and what, what else about you, Heather?
1: Well, um, that was interesting about the, why things, bigger things are drop ship. That makes a lot of sense when you drop ship something, do you, the business owner take ownership of that inventory at, at any point in that chain? You never actually own it, right?
0: You, I think you technically own it like once it leaves the dock. So what, what happens is the drop shipper or the manufacturer of the massage tables in this case uh, when you sell one on massagetables.com or whatever, your system will transmit in an automated way, probably to the manufacturer, basically a purchase order for one. And it's like, hey, I want to buy one at wholesale price. You know, I want to buy one for I sold it for a thousand bucks, but the manufacturer doesn't even know that. You just transmit an order for one at five hundred bucks, uh, with the shipping address of the customer's house, um, and then the manufacturer they know they're dropshipping. They know what they signed up for. Uh, And they'll print a packing list or whatever with your logo on it and mail it. And then you, the dropshipper, will be responsible. Like if it gets all banged up in shipping or whatever, it's probably on you, the dropshipper, right? Like that's customer service is on you typically. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't like then try to push it back later to the manufacturer if they're not packaging it right or, or whatever and you're eating all these refunds. Um, but like you are going to deal with the customer. Like that's the value you're providing. You're bringing the customer and you're dealing with them.
1: Yeah, I, I ran into this recently. It was an SBA loan for an e-commerce uh, a company manufacturing a product. And it was actually really difficult for the bank to understand how to put their UCC on inventory. You know, what was, when does it become There's none. So- <laughs> right, and they were like, "Where's the warehouse, and we want to go you know uh do a site visit, and we were trying to explain to them, so i you know to our our point earlier in our discussion earlier about you know banks and their and their tastes, and some of them don't like e commerce I think a lot of it comes down to these little nuances in e commerce where they just don't understand it uh they don't understand this, you know the drop ship and and who owns the the inventory at what
0: point. Well, in theory, you have no inventory, right? Like you hope you have essentially like one day's worth of inventory on the balance sheet. It's an incredible business model.
1: Yeah, But not
0: great for lending.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, it actually, I think it's great for lending. My argument to the bank was why that lowers your risk, right? A a traditional manufacturer actually carries a lot more risk in having to carry the inventory. It's a lot more costly to do that. So uh, I personally... Think it's lower risk, but again, it's just non-traditional, so it takes you know banks a while to kind of understand those differences. I feel like this mix, though, is um, you know between drop shipping and three PL and and their own website versus marketplaces seems pretty good to me. What do you think, Bill?
0: Yeah, I I have seen plenty of businesses that are 100% dropship and they scare me. Uh, I generally think I think as a rule, dropship is a race to the bottom on margins because that same manufacturer is drop dropshipping for you is dropshipping for 10 other people, and it's just who can spend more on ads and cut price low enough. Right. Dropshipping is not a great business model. The, place, the exceptions to that rule are products that cannot be stocked and are structurally dropshipped, like heavy things, mm-hmm. right? If you are able to have some sort of exclusivity, or if you are able to use the base of the dropship stuff, which everybody has, the commodity stuff, to then build your own brand around it which is what this guy is trying to do right he's got 36% of revenue wrapped around the dropship stuff that is branded uh, which is smart and like that that is to me the indicator this is a good entrepreneur like they understand that 100% bro- dropship business is not defensible and they've probably spent years building up this house brand of stuff like it's because it's not that easy right when you have a dropship business you are like hanging out in your mom's basement clicking on buttons And like the money comes in, it's pretty wild. Now you want to start your own brand of stuff. You need a manufacturer. You need to deal with labels. You got to hold inventory on your balance sheet. You need a 3PL. Like you, like there's, it just, it goes from this like digital money machine business to like real business. As soon as you cross out of the hundred percent pure drop shipping Uh, and it's going to be a very scary thing and it ups the level of difficulty and all that. But I think if you don't do it, you create very little enterprise value.
2: All right, taking a quick pause here. I have something to tell you. This is Michael. I hate bookkeeping. I hate bookkeeping. I hate doing HR. I hate doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for bookkeeping, I have found a solution. It is um, my friend Charlie's business called cloudbookkeeping.com. So that's cloudbookkeeping.com. Uh, they are your perfect partner if you want to get bookkeeping out of your hair and focus on making your company, co- your customers happier and more successful. So Um, Please give them a call. Call Charlie, cloudbookkeeping.com. Tell them we sent you. They're a great way if you're a business buyer, if you're a business owner, you're tired of hassling uh, with getting your bookkeeping done. He's got a whole fleet of people that are well-trained and work for him. Uh, He's located here in San Antonio. So I can tell you because of that, he's awesome. And uh, they're a great partner for you to potentially call to help with all your bookkeeping needs so you can do the important stuff in your business uh, rather than worry about getting your books right. So, uh give Charlie a call cloudbookkeeping.com and now back to the episode
1: right so have it so the percentage of your own brand that you're selling and and the 3pl is sort of a hint that that's what it is is sort of a sign of maturity in an e-commerce company would you say
0: yes 100% i mean it it's a yeah. sign of it being a real business rather than yeah. like a straight up hustle like if if you're ranking for let's say you own massagetables.com or something which And by the way, I know many people who have made tens of millions of dollars doing exactly what I'm describing, uh, which is to own something like massagetables.com, rank really well in Google because they have the exact match domain, right? And just move a bunch of the same massage table everybody else has because they come up number one, right? There's, if they're not buying a massage table because the customer wants their massage table. They just happen to rank number one, right? Yeah. It's not defensible at all because what happens is Google changes the algorithm. If you've been in e-com for a long time, you know that exact match domains used to be it. Like if you had massagetables.com, you were ranking number one for massage tables no matter what. It was like a cheat code. Uh, and t- I know tons of people that made tons of money on exact match domains. But that changed. Exact match domains don't matter as, nearly as much anymore. And so your business, Google changed the algorithm and you can just lose your business overnight because someone else will rank number one for massage tables and the customer's not looking for you. They're looking for massage tables, right? Uh, And generally the margins are lower and all that stuff on dropship. So like, if you have your own brand, people are like, oh, and and probably what this is, right, is dropship tables and then everything else around it, the towels, the sheets, Mm. the lotions and potions, the oils, all that stuff, private branded, if I had to guess.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense. And I I think that's another thing that lenders don't necessarily understand is that uh, they might look at every e-commerce as being in that first bucket uh, where you like, as you call it, straight hustle, uh, you know, they they might see them all that way. And and the reality is you have to have to know how to ask these questions and what to look for to see the ones that are more mature and have built up a brand, you know, from that place, maybe from that starting point to your to your point. I think this one looks pretty good. I mean, the margin of 27 percent, that looks great to me. Is that is that a healthy, normal margin for something like this?
0: So, It's it's solid. It's especially solid for dropshipping because what I will tell you is dropshippers usually have much lower margins because let's be honest, you're not doing that much, right? You're not what you're just, you're just basically ranking your website. So like dropshipping businesses are very often sub 10% margins and which this probably is too, because it's like big, heavy, hard goods. I bet it's got 10% margins. So they may make, you know, on a $939 average order value, they may make a hundred bucks, which is still like a really good profit per conversion, but it's a 10% net margin. Right, um, so what tells what this tells me also, and this reinforces my guess, that most of the branded stuff is the lotions and potions and the towel, like the high margin stuff. I bet they've got a 50 percent margin on the branded stuff. Um, so I bet 36 percent of their business has a really good margin, and the other 64 percent of their business has a very low margin but like high dollar value, and that's how they're mixing to a 27 percent net, which is pretty good.
1: Interesting. So you, so if you were going to value this business, at least that's where my head went when you said that, is I'm almost like valuing it in two parts and then sort of bringing those together like on a weighted average. At least that's the way my brain thinks about it. Uh, I don't want to pay very much for that dropship business that's kind of commoditized and I I might be willing to pay a lot more for that branded business. Is that how you would think
0: about it? That is that is a fair way to think about it. I don't think if you think about it that way, you will win the auction. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I think that's a very fair way to think about it. It's like two businesses in one here. If I were the seller, I would say, yeah, but without the low margin dropship business, we could never sell the towels and the oils. Like right. People come for the tables and then we sell the towels and the oils and that's the stuff that has the LTV. That is something I would definitely ask right away show me the LTV by product. And of course you buy one massage table, but if you can show people coming back month after month for the branded oil and they like the scent and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm more interested.
1: Interesting. So you can't really value it as two parts. It really, they have to be together to your point for, for this all to work. And you're right. You only buy one massage table unless you're in the business and you're expanding and you need more tables, I guess.
0: Right, and I, I would want to know that also. I would definitely want to look at repeats. Um, but as far as valuation, I think this thing will sell for four times. I really do. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's right. big enough. It's 1.6 in EBITDA. I mean, I mm-hmm. I think this is probably a $5 million exit, Um, which, you know, okay. top end of the SBA range. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I was going to say. So SBA-wise, uh, you know, this is what's interesting. Yeah, that the numbers all fit an SBA loan. You could come in, if, if you paid that multiple, you could come in and put 10% down. You could get a seller note of maybe another 10% and 80% uh, SBA financing and the cash flow would work. Uh, the only challenge with this is that a bank is probably gonna be p- picky about who buys it. Uh, is this somebody with experience in e-commerce? And number two is a kind of a topic we were talking about on the last episode. Banks don't like e-commerce. On the whole, let's just say we took 100 <laughs> SBA banks, and when we pulled them and said, "Who wants to lend on e-commerce?" That hundred is going to shrink probably to 10 or 15. Um, and even out of that 10 or 15, they'll might like to, smaller risks. They might like to make small loans in e-commerce to kind of feel safer. But once you get to you know four million dollar SBA loan on e-commerce, it's not that going to be that many banks that will understand how to underwrite this, what kinds of questions to ask, and we will just you know, not throw up on it just because it's (laughs) e-commerce,
0: which is Does it really, because I've experienced this too, a lot of banks are just uncomfortable with e-commerce. Does it really, and this sounds so dumb, but I think this is true. Tell me if I'm not off base. I think it really comes down to a bunch of people still who don't understand these businesses. Even in 2023, they don't understand, like they couldn't ever, even after a month or two of research, come to the analysis that I did early in this podcast of like, how this business actually works. Is that true? And so they go, I don't get it. I'm scared. I can't lose money. I'm out.
1: Okay. I'm going to tell you what it, what, yes, it's that, but it comes from laziness. That's what it is. There's a lot of laziness in banks. Um, There's a lot of people who chose that career path because it was supposed to be kind of easy and safe (laughs) and, um, they learned what they learned at some point in their career, and they're older and more senior now, and they're the ones making the decisions, and they've gotten lazy, and they don't want to learn the new stuff, and they don't want to hear you tell them or sell them on it or anything else. They just dig in their heels and say no, and and um, and they and it's astounding how little they actually know about some of the stuff that they're making decisions on. Um, sometimes the yes decisions aren't really that smart either, so I think... It's just something uh, the industry needs to, the industry has also done away with training programs and any kind of education spend. So um, you got some dinosaurs who are just not willing to crack open, not even a book anymore, crack open the internet, you know, and just explore and Mm -hmm. and ask some questions. And a lot of people just, a lot of folks in banks just won't,
0: won't do it. Yeah, that's I sense I sense it too. Like it's just not worth the cause if they kind of come up the curve on it and they miss on one in ten, that vaporizes the profits on the whole portfolio. So they just stay in their wheelhouse forever. Right.
1: And their wheelhouse may not be safe. You know, that's the thing that I that I noticed in banking. You stay in your wheelhouse, but your wheelhouse is dying. So, you know, you really do have to evolve, but, uh, it's all about, you know, the aging workforce, if you ask me, and it's like, look at the average age of people making credit decisions and the fact that they're just not learning anything new. And I think that's
0: where some of the problem is. Yep. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, I like this one. I think it will sell. I mean, it probably, you know, $5 million max SBA loan and a little bit of equity on top of it. Uh. I like it. I would be really, if any of our listeners pursue this one through Axial Market, uh, which you just go to axial.net and request more information, they'll introduce you to the broker, the whole thing. If you guys pursue this, we would love to hear more about it on Twitter. I think this is pretty cool business.
1: Yeah, I think it is
0: too. I like it. All right. Cool. Well, that wraps it up for the day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Acquisitions Anonymous, and we will see you guys next time.